I have a joke for you guys. I'm going to try and pull the wool over your eyes in my sermon. I want to see if you can find it. I'm going to try and pull the wool over your eyes. All right. Let's dig in. <sighs> I've been crucified with Christ. Yes, we just heard the song, Were You There? When they nailed him to the tree, Were You There? And, of course, physically we're going, No, <laughs> of course. And yet, you were, according to the scriptures. You were there. You were in Christ. You were in Christ when he died. You died with him. That is the crazy part of Easter. That it wasn't just the one man, Jesus. It was you and me. This is a really super awesome good news day. And I want to show you this. Oops, do I have power on this? Yes. So there's been a lot of doubters to believe whether Jesus really rose from the dead. I like what Chuck Colson wrote. I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they'd seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles who could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. There are doubters. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Let's see what Thomas had to say about this. It's hard to be judged for one mistake, but it's what I'll be remembered for, I guess. I wasn't always the doubter. That's not who I am. I have a zeal for Jesus. I always have. When Lazarus died, no one wanted to return to Bethany with Jesus. The atmosphere there was volatile and dangerous. Jesus said he'd show us his glory. I assumed we'd all die there. Still, I'm the one who said, let's go. But then, then came this room. That night. At the time, none of us understood as we sat at that table. This is my body. This is my blood. He raised the dead. He, he cast out demons even. What could he possibly mean? I didn't doubt it when they told me he was dead. But how can you not doubt someone coming back to life? Some didn't doubt. But for me, it was harder. Maybe it was just that I didn't want to be disappointed. Many came after me who believed without seeing what I saw. Jesus called them blessed.
Yes, I touched the place of the nails. The hole in his side. Such definitive proof that I cried out, My Lord, my God! But that wasn't the only amazing thing. The Almighty One, He came back for me. He didn't want to leave me behind in my doubt. He says, I'm worth that. And I'll follow him anywhere for the rest of my life. Whew. He came back for me, is what he said. That's powerful. I know in Paul Young's book, The Shack, there's a question that, do all roads lead to God? And I believe, I don't know who said it, but they said the answer was, not all roads lead to God, but Jesus said, I'll go down any road to get you. That's the pursuit of your Heavenly Father. Yes, we talked about Jesus dying for our sins. We talk about being co-crucified. Today, I want to remind us of something that has already happened to us. I want to lay some facts out. I don't know how far we're going to get. I had a kind of joked with Rod. So look how many slides I got. There's no way I'll finish today. He says, you better not finish today because that'll be a long sermon. <laughs> so today, I want to take you to the scriptures because I think this is the place where we can get the most comfort. And you can hold me accountable because I'm not making this up. You can look at it yourself and go, it does say that. Or does it? Will I pull the wool over your eyes? <laughs> I don't know. Ephesians 1. I want to read to this to you because this is a stark reminder of what Easter did to, for, and through us. I want you to listen carefully. And by the way, if you've grown up in church and you've read this a hundred times, pretend you haven't heard this before. Listen to it for the first time. Take out your perceptions of what, oh, I know what that verse means, and I studied that one, or, well, don't take that out of context, okay? Stop that. Let the Holy Spirit speak these words to you as if it's the first time. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. Let me reread that one line. He sees us wrapped up in Christ. We are wrapped in Christ. Well, it says that's just how he sees us. Listen, how God sees us is how it is. 
Okay? He doesn't make up stuff and go, well, I, it's, like, it's like that idea of that um, our sins are covered and he doesn't really see the sin because of the love of Jesus and all that. No. You're clean. You're pure. Verse 4. He chose us. <laughs> wow, chose. He chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. If you've never heard this before, which I told you you haven't, what? Tell me more. Because of his great love, agape, selfless, others-centered love, because of his great love, he ordained or set us apart so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Ooh, innocence. Some of us don't feel very innocent. Let me tell you this. No matter what you've done or what's been done to you, no matter what mistakes you may have made, no matter what shame you may carry, legitimately or illegitimately, you have been declared innocent. Because that's how God sees you. Because of the cross. That's what makes Easter so exciting. Verse 5 and 6. For it, has, it was always his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus. There's that oneness again. The anointed one. So that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. Seriously? The same love the Father has for his beloved Jesus. That's how much he loves you. Oh, and how much he likes you too. And how much he accepts you and sees your innocence. Even when you don't see it. For the rest of your life, the Holy Spirit's job is to teach you the truth about how God sees you. That's it. That's why we're here as a church. To speak light into the darkness of our faulty thinking. Hmm. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure, this whole union adoption. Verse 7. Since we are now joined to Christ, there's that joining again, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of sins, or forgiveness. The Greek word aphesis means to send away or to set free from bondage. All because of the cascading riches of his grace. This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us or lavished on us, releasing within us all forms of wisdom 
and practical understanding. God's work is already at work in you. You're one with him. Wake up. And when you believe, here's the beauty of being one with Christ. If you believe it, your heart changes. Your thinking changes. And you identify yourself as one who is one with Christ. Those who don't know can't believe. I invite you to believe what is true, what's already been said. And through the revelation of the anointed one, Jesus, he unveiled his secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax. When God makes all things new in all of heaven, earth, and through Christ. Let me tell you something. All things have already been made new in Christ. That's what was made new. All of creation has been made new in Christ. Verse 11, Ephesians 1. That way you can look this up later. (laughs) Through our union with Christ. There it is again, that word union. It's got to mean something if it's repeated, huh? Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before you're even born, he gave us our destiny. That we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to long for the messianic hope, would be the first to believe in the anointed one and bring great praise and glory to God. And because of him, when you, who are not Jews, heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation? Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14. He has given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom. Experience complete freedom. Experience complete freedom. Everyone is free, but they don't all know it. Therefore, we'll act based on how they believe. You are not in bondage anymore, except for the bondage you've put yourself into, and you're even free from that, if you believe it. Hmm. This is good news. Because of this, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love towards all his devoted ones, my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God, for you, as I constantly remember you in my prayers. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation or discovery. To know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination or innermost or the heart, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is, the wealth 
of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us. His holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. If we've learned something about faith, we recognize faith is not our mustering up and kind of even hoping, okay, I hope, I hope, I hope, I'm going to try and have faith, 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 faith. Okay, I have faith. I believe, I believe, I believe. And you just repeat it until you think you got it. And then maybe something magical will happen because you said it enough times or somebody is kind of, you know, getting you into a chant and get a, hmm, I believe, whatever that is. That's not faith. It's maybe hope. <laughs> hoping you get faith. Let me tell you what faith is. Faith is a gift. Your capacity to believe anything like this comes from the one who is in you, the light that is already in you. Any faith you have is a gift from God. It's while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. (laughs) While we didn't even know we needed saving, he did it without even asking our permission. Like, seriously, who does that? Jesus did. I pray that you'll continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of his immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. That's the point of Easter. That same mighty power lives in you. Quit walking around as if you lack something. Trying to get more from God. Something, oh, I just need this discipline, God. I really suck at doing that stuff. I just just keep getting in these patterns. Stop it. Say, Father, show me the goodness that you've put in me so that my actions will reflect that. Everybody lives their lives based on, first of all, who they think God is. So if he doesn't exist to you, then you'll act like it, live like it, no big deal. Those who do believe will live like it. Now, your capacity of God, how much you believe about him, defines how you will actually live. You live out your faith all the time. (laughs) Interesting. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, the realm of power and existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that has ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and source. This is important. He alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ. Which means, under his feet, all is now conquered, is what it means in the Greek. He has given him the highest rank above all others, and now we, his church, are his body on the earth, that which fills him who is being filled by it. This is from the Passion Translation. You can look that up. I'm finding... So much joy in reading the Passion Translation. I have multiple ones. I think it's important to have more than one because not everyone gets it right. And you can learn so much from what others see. Keep growing. This is good news. Did you hear the union? Did you hear 
the cross, did you hear the power of Christ in this just one chapter? This threw me off because I was preparing something completely different. I went, huh, this is is really good. (laughs) Imagine that. Imagine if you've never heard that before. (laughs) Some of you won't like what I'm about to say. Too bad. The words I speak are not my own. <laughs> Christ is in all. Colossians 1, 15 to 27. What does that mean? For the record, it does not mean everyone believes. But I want you to hear what the scriptures say. Let the Holy Spirit tell you what this means, especially this text I'm about to read to you. Uh, Colossians 1, 15 to 27. This is one of my favorite texts that I don't speak about enough because it's so rich. Listen carefully. I love how the subtitle is Christ is Supreme. By the way, when you see those little subtitles in your Bible, the original authors didn't have that there. That's the translators, just, just in case you're wondering. Verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Whoo, me shivers. That's amazing. He existed before God made anything at all and is supreme over all creation. Verse 16. Christ is the one through whom God created everything. In heaven and earth. (gasps) Wait a minute. Who created? Jesus was the creator. God did it through Jesus. It's right there. Not making it up. No wool over your eyes here. Promise. Or maybe you have to go read it yourself and make sure. (sighs) He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Kings, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, everything has been created through him and for him. He existed before everything else began, and he holds all creation together. Hmm. Everything, everyone. Everything is held together by Christ. This is critical as an absolute truth. It's good news. There's no such thing as separation except in the mind. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the first of all who will rise from the dead. He is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And by him, God reconciled everything to himself. Oh, everything has been reconciled, as in made right, where relationship was, was strained because of some lie, The lie has been addressed, and now the capacity to believe has been put in place. That's why you get the invite. Believe this! You're not forced to. You're invited to. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. There it is! There's Easter again! This is a big deal! 
It's not just an Easter egg hunt. Oh, darn, I forgot the cute bunny video. <sighs> Look, a squirrel. <sighs> Sorry, I don't get out much. Where was I? He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. This includes you who were once so far away from God, you were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Separated by your thoughts and actions. Only thoughts and actions. (laughs) Yet, now he has brought you back as friends. He has done this, how? Through his death on the cross in his own human body. And as a result, he's brought you into the very presence of God. And you are holy and blameless, innocent, as you stand before him without a single fault. Oh, if only we actually believed this. This Easter weekend, this is what happened. but you must continue to believe this truth and stand in it firmly. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed by God to proclaim it. Verse 24, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am completing what remains of Christ's suffering for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his message in all its fullness to you Gentiles. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past. But now it's been revealed to his own holy people. Here it is. This is awesome. For it has pleased God to tell his people that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. For this is the secret. Christ lives in you. And this is your assurance that you'll share in his glory. So wherever we go, we tell everyone about Christ. We warn them and teach them with all wisdom that God has given us, for we we want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. I work very hard at this as I depend on Christ's mighty power that works within me, and that's the strength we have. Not self-strength, but the strength of Christ already in us by his power. Colossians 3.11. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Look it up yourself. New American Standard Bible. But Christ is all and in all. I'm not making it up. But the all and in all, Christ, Young's literal translation. The message from now on, we, on everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ, the message. King James Bible, if you've got to go back to the one Jesus read. But Christ is all 
and in all. I'm not making this up. If this makes you feel uncomfortable, then all I ask you to do is put your pre-thinking aside for just a moment and start here. Start here. Won't be as much of a conflict. I'm not saying everyone's a Christian. Okay? How many times do I got to say that here? I'm very careful with my words. I have Christians here, so I have to really be careful with my words. <laughs> I, I, I value him. He calls me out carefully, gently, because he loves me. And I get to preach freely, knowing full well. I'll get the elbow, or the pat, or the, hmm, thinking about that one. <laughs> I get that from some of you, but Bev's been around a long time, and I love and respect him. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. New Living Translation. There is one Lord, one faith, <laughs> one baptism, and one God and Father of those who believe? Nope. Father of all. Who is over all and in some. All. Oops. And living through all. Huh. It's not what I learned in Sunday school. <laughs> huh. I thought it was a transactional faith where uh, he's out and I got to beg him to come in and I got to act right to keep him in too. Oh wait, that's all up to me now, isn't it? It's all me, 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 me. Oh, how wonderful I am. Please. New American Standard Bible. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I'm, the reason I'm bringing this up is because Easter is so important. We don't realize what really happened there. It's big news. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad you're excited. <sighs> One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. That's, that's Southern for in y'all. Message translation. Who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do. Oops. Hey, I'll get back here. Ah, darn. Where am I? Nope, there. Ah, wrong clicker. Okay, same excitement. Where was I? Ah, just kidding. Who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. And the mirror Bible, and he is the perfect father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. Fruit of the cross. John 14. Ooh. <clears throat> Somebody take that clock and just go back a little. Okay. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. When does he say this? Before or after the cross? Hint, before. When I am raised to life, you will know. Right now, they can't know that. They have no capacity to know this. The... Uh, um, the Passion Translation. So when that day comes, you will know that I am living in the Father and that you are 
one with me, for I will be living in you. In that day, you will know that we are in seamless union with one another. I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. I remember studying uh, soteriology, which is the um, understanding for how salvation happens, that, that word being saved. Um, the one part that really blew my mind, and if any of you know who Reg Shute is, most of you do, he's, he speaks here often, um, he shared a story of his own revelation of something that happened. He was in a major crisis. You have to go back and watch his story sometime on YouTube. But in the moment of his darkness... He was constantly being told, you are to make Christ the center of your life. And he was in a FUD. He was, I think he might have been suicidal. I'm not sure. It was pretty dark. And listen to this. It was from inside him. He heard a voice. The voice was in him, not outside, calling to him. It was in him. How can you make Jesus center of your life? You can't. He already is. Now yield. Paul himself, the apostle, on the road, it was Christ who revealed himself in me. That's true. I have more hope now to share good news with people instead of trying to convince them to say a prayer. Instead, I want to show them the love of God and invite them to believe. Okay, we can't finish this. This is like one-third of the way through. So obviously, next week's going to be fun. We're going to cover this next week. And this is a fact. This has to do with Easter. This has to do with Good Friday. When he died, Jesus, we died. When he rose, we rose. When he ascended, we ascended. And I'll prove it next week. Isn't that good news? That's what Easter is for. The whole package. Yes, there's the story. But the backstory is flipping awesome. It thrills me. It gives me hope. It's good news. Isn't that great? So where did I pull the wool over your eyes? Anybody catch it? I didn't. It was an April Fool's joke. Let's, let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for pulling the wool off of our eyes so that we could see your grace, that it's so much bigger than we thought that your love is so much better than we assumed. And we still have many assumptions of how small it is. Blow those doors off, Father. Blow the roof off. Father, thank you that you love us so much that you're willing to enter our little box of what we think of who you are and will love us from the inside out. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, for submitting to the the torture tool, the cross, and then taking us down with you. And thanks for the new life. One life, the life of Christ, is the only life. 
thank you for that revelation, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a final thought to lead into next week. Who is greater, the first Adam or the last Adam? Who do you think? The first Adam brought us darkness and blindness. Did a great thing, affected all of humanity, correct? Yes? Good, okay, because it's true. I'm not pulling the wool over your eyes, it's true. So, Jesus came. Would he have done less than the first Adam? At least equal to the first Adam? Or more, greater than? Think about that. You answer that yourself. I have my answer. Number three.